I'll do a chair swivel. I'll, I'll swivel in. <laughs> Welcome to Tonal Distancing. <laughs> uh, today we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Devin Whitaker with us today. Um, awesome guy. Uh, I play drums for his band, Union Fool. But don't be fooled. His, his He holds his own in that band and creates really awesome music. I, I've enjoyed playing it. I've enjoyed listening to it. Um, and it, it's been just good to get to know him and, and play with him. And that's why we have him on the show today. So, Devin, if you want to tell us more about Union Fool and yourself real quick, we'd all love to hear it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the intro. And thanks for having me, guys. Um, big fan of the show. I've been watching through the episodes uh, as you guys have been developing. It's been really, really fun and just cool to see everyone's perspective and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm Devin. Um, I, I go by Union Fool Musically. We're, we're a band uh, like a four piece. Um, Kanem, like like you mentioned, has been playing drums. We used to joke that he is the uh, best drummer and best guitarist in my band because he's just obviously such a shredder. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we um, kind of have like, uh, I'd say like we're like indie rock with like a pop punk aesthetic. Um, so I was raised on, um, you know, kind of went through the emo phase in middle and high school, like many of us did and really got into bands like, um, you know, Taking Back Sunday. Um, I mean, from first to last, you know, My Chemical Romance, all those guys. Um, as per many of us did, it kind of uh, moved on to to get into indie rock a lot and kind of have come back to that as like, okay, I'm like almost 30 years old now. And uh, Union Fool is kind of like my, um, it's like a little bit of a catharsis from like my younger emo self and like that, accepting that that's still a part of, uh, of who I am as, a, as an adult. And it's kind of like embracing the fact that like, okay, we're old, but like, we still have no fucking idea what's going on. The world's a complicated place. Like, um, you know, in many ways, I still feel like that kid in, in high school. And you can kind of hear that in the lyrics and stuff where I, I played indie rock for a lot of years. And, you know, it was all about like poetry and, you know, cool, you know, instrumentation, whatever. And I really pulled it back after a while of like, I, I found that um, trying to be too complicated got in the way of people understanding the message of my music. And I've kind of just like gone back to just embracing this like super, super simple musical aesthetic of like, let's remove the bullshit. Let's make it so people can relate to it as much as possible. And sometimes you don't want to cover everything in layers of analogies. You just want to say like, I'm in pain or like I'm in love or whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, that's kind of the um, what led us to Union Fool here. Um, I'm on, uh, we're all on, on Spotify. So you can just search Union Fool. That's F-O-O-L. Um, we are on Insta, Union underscore Fool, you know, most of the socials and everything. Um, we have a three-song EP out that, that was released a year or two ago, but we've actually been working through COVID to release a new record. So we have some new singles coming up, um, hopefully a video and all sorts of shit. So, um, which Kane, you know, we need to have some conversations about, by the way. But <laughs> I know, I know. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm so excited to talk music here. So, yeah, no, it, it's funny. I feel like uh, when you talk about, you know, aging into our music and, and what we play that I was just editing a video, one of the videos today, like that was like one of the things like came up and it comes up a decent amount because, you know, Zach is our resident old man with the most old feelings. <laughs> How dare you? I don't think he's even the oldest one of us. Yeah, wait, isn't <laughs> wait we did this last time. You're, you're older than me, Zach. You're older no, than me. No, I'm not. Me. How old are you? Yes, you are. How old are you? I we're both twenty eight. When do you turn twenty nine? What year were you whenever, born? Whenever I fucking feel like. Yeah, it. you are older than me. <laughs> I'm not. I can. I guarantee you, I'm not. When do you turn twenty nine? <laughs> am I gonna, wait, like I'm gonna just. I'm gonna just give out my my personal. Let me just say my social security number one. 
I mean, you might as well, dude. <laughs> yeah, we got. I was just watching. This. Yeah, are you even? I was even just you? watching like <laughs> one of your guys' most recent episodes is with uh, with an older dude, and he was like, "What the fuck?" He said he was twenty eight <laughs> and he's old. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, no, we we complain about all this stuff that is probably very very anger in, in, <laughs> inducing for people who are like it's like when you're in college and like I totally failed that exam I got a 94 and you're like oh yeah. great dude like you really failed that like that's the vibe we're going for just <laughs> pure pure unadulterated self-loathing that's like not based in anything uh, and with that let's base ourselves in our self-loathing with a toast a toast to the lords and ladies of music. Please guide us in, on our musical journeys and be kind to us as we drink. Zach Hayes, who would you like to toast this week? Forget who I was going to say. Prabhu, who would you like to toast this week? Travis Scott. I think I've, <laughs> I've been really binging his shit and I love it. It's so good. All right. Just bumping on an eagle. Um, yeah. Devin, who do you toast? So this is a little bit of an unconventional one, but Lucy Dacus, I think um, she is. Uh, she works with like she's just like a really solid solo musician. She's going a tour with Modest Mouse this uh, this fall. And she's okay. just like she was in Boy Genius with like Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers. And she's just like she's in that scene. But I feel like gets like nowhere near the, uh, the amount of credit that she deserves for just being like an incredible songwriter and musician. So that's uh, that's my girl today. I think I think unsung heroes are are our favorite to hear about. Zach, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um. Okay, I thought of someone. Well, unsung I don't know like Travis Scott. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just well, I would like or to Eddie toast. Van Halen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone toasts none of those Scott important today. people. It's whoever played the guitar solo or just the guitar part on the Pokemon theme song. I would really like to toast to just them that today. one bend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? So you sure it's not Slash? Uh, I was gonna pick Slash, but then I thought that would be basic, so I picked something very obscure. All right, you know, so gonna... obscure. <laughs> it's so obscure that the only other guitarist that Zach knows, other than Slash, is someone whose Buckethead? name is unknown to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's just that other person, just that other person. That my did influences include Slash and. The guy who played the un- Pokemon. Someone, the unnamed someone else. guitarist. Yeah. Unnamed guy. Also, Zach, I saw you take a sip of that drink before. Ah, I hope before you want to notice. I saw that. We all you noticed. Know, oh, we I'm all holding noticed. this big ass mug here, waiting. Prove it. You can't right. prove it. I'm going to just cho- toast it to George Benson so we can get it over with. Cheers, right, guys. Please. Yeah. <laughs> in all fairness, it's pretty hard to have a smeared off ice in front of you without taking a sip. So, you know, that'll do it. It tastes good. I haven't had a okay, smeared off ice. It tastes in- good. A long, I've had a long time. Day. That 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 <laughs> I just, toasted to the guy who played that just made you old. I think you're not, that, none no, of no, your no, ideas made you old. You are old now. <laughs> if you weren't old before, now you're old. Because, well, wait, wait, wait. How is he old? Because he's drinking Smirnoff Ice and talking about Pokemon. So like all this old <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> yeah, wait. Yeah, a exactly. Is that a Pokemon poster behind you? Hell yeah. Well, kind of. It's uh. <laughs> It's um okay. My face is just <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Thank Zach you for showing us. Zach plays competitive nice online. Competitive online Pokemon. I'm not kidding. Wait, like really? I, you remember how? I've tra- yeah, I've tried it with it. That's we were playing it for a little bit. Uh, Do you remember how Burger King was giving out like those sheets of like Pokemon cards for the first movie? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's like all of them, but they're chopped up in frame. Do you Dang, have the Burger King a, that, meal that's from awesome. that day? That might be worth something, honestly. I don't know. I got a garage sale. Zach's got the burger <laughs> from that day in like a little. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like have a the quarantine little. Yeah. It's it's hard. It's kind of like a <laughs> like a rock, I guess. It, it's like the um, crusty crab. The cheese. The cheese. Is uh, it kind of looks like glue now. <laughs> I'm going to isolate this clip of just Zach the talking cheese. about some the random cheese. cheese. <laughs> and without further ado, ado, ado uh, Devin, do you want to play us a, a nice intro? Show us how to play guitar? Because we've all forgotten. <laughs> sure. Good thing, because this is going to be a pretty easy starting point. Um, as I mentioned... Most of the music is is relatively straightforward, or, or it's n- not relatively straightforward. Like it's more, I've embraced the idea that everything is made up of bar chords, and most people, when they're doing licks at some point, are really just derivatives of a bar chord in some way. Um, so, in that spirit, let's start off with the first one. Um, this song is called Steph. Uh, it's by Union Fool. That and Kanem knows all the words. I think. Um, I, but, I don't uh, know. I know where to, I, I sing my parts. That the this. You sing like the first line, and I come in on the second line. You, wait, see, you sing I while see. you're playing drums for emphasis. Well, uh, he will. Admit- oh yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like that's 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 some hard hard stuff right there. Yeah, he, uh, he makes it happen. That's for sure. So this one um, is the lick, the opening lick from our song called "Steph" that's out on Spotify. <laughs> That's the lick. It's really, really straightforward. It's in um, the key of A major, and you're going from just a open A string here to the yep the major third. Oops, up on the uh, the G, um, and kind of cycling back between that and the five or the the four, so the D. Oh, the open string on the D. And so really, it's just one, four, five, where it's just. That's the main structure of it. So it goes up to the E? Yeah, so it goes, um, you kind of go, so from zero to, from one to four to one to five. So one, four, one, five, one, four, one, five. And really like when I do the little drop thing that, this is just a, a bar chord on A. <laughs> so once again, all licks are just, or most licks are derivatives of bar chords, and here we are. <laughs> no, it's it's simple, but like I've always actually kind of like kind of wondered how you play it because I figured out like some parts of Misery, but like it it's, it's simple, but the way you you kind of bounce off of it, like. You don't think of it so I don't like whenever I listen to it, it just it just kind of quickly like digests for me as like a very nice progression. And I don't really think about always. Oh, it sounds so simple. Like I don't really think about that. It just digests very quickly and very easily as like a nice progression that you layer upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like it, a, uh, it's a catchy little hook. Yeah, I think it's Thanks. catchy. Yeah, it's this is definitely our like I think our like pop single sort of deal, um, and yeah, kind of trying to capture that like you know you know the youthful one four five thing, um, which is so prevalent in pop punk. So um, 
Yeah, it's like some interesting stuff with picking where I'm going through and doing one string at a time on the first one. So it's... And then the second time we just do a pluck. So, it's... so all in all... Got it. <laughs> and then what is the two they put? Where are you doing that? So we got kind of hard to. This one's hard oh, to it's see. Oh, it's on the A string. Okay. And I'm just doing okay. like middle middle finger to uh, to index finger. Do you do you go back? Do you go back to four on the G string, or do you play the open B? Um, sorry, it, it, which part? So when you're doing like the turnaround at the end, the do you go? Uh, do you go and play the four on the G, or do you play the open B? No. That goes back to to open A. Wait, no, he, no, but, but, I think he does play that that note. Yeah, that note, that note, that note at the oh, very oh, end. No, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, that's B. Yes, you're right, you're right, right. Is it open B or just the on the four? I I use my my uh, index finger to get there. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. So I have that on the uh, on the G over here, the G string. Got the flexi fingers. It's hard for me. This is a hard one because it like it, yeah, your your fingers are all just like on two frets or whatever here a little yeah. bit. I would cheat. No, that that and that's the thing. It's like I, I feel like you can you can play it both ways, but there's always like the how does like the original person play it versus how maybe like people that might cheat and go to the the B string play it, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's that's a it's a doing. simple thing. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's just the B string, right? But it, but I guess yeah. it sounds different too. Is like an open string versus like playing a note versus like a hand or pull off or something. Like they do matter. Yeah. I feel like the funny part is too. A lot of the times when you write something, then someone else will do an interpretation on it. You're like, oh, that's a way easier way that I should have just fucking done it. <laughs> I'm just realizing that right now. Like, oh, the G, the B is right there. I, did, I never even noticed that honestly. <laughs> well, so. wait, wait. But out of curiosity, do you play like a, a busy? Like, I like to have my hands busy when I play guitar. Um, so like naturally, that doing that that to the 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 B. Uh, be on the G string like is more appealing because it keeps my hands like moving more, and I just like that feeling more. Right, so, are you like also kind of like a busy? Do you feel like you tend to towards the busyness as opposed to like the simple like oh I can play the open B? That's a good question, and I feel like I'm kind of the opposite way, just because I am. I've always been more of like a rhythm chord type guitarist, and so even licks like this, it just takes me a ton of repetition to, to practice. And so I actually try to like nail it down and keep it as simple as possible. I mean, I think thinking back to our songs, like I think this is about the most 
lick work I do in any of the re- any of the records. Which we have a lead guitarist, um, which I feel bad for not even mentioning Shu up until this point in the podcast. But uh, our lead guitarist Shu is just a, a way better technical guitarist than I am, and so we work well together because I focus so much of my career on songwriting and just song construction. And oftentimes I just come to him with songs that are just a few bar chords or you know just a few open chords. And then he will kind of supplement with the more uh, more complex guitar stuff. So I feel like my comfort zone is actually more in the simplicity where you are fucking all over the place. So it, it makes sense why your hands need to feel busier. Well, I feel like the busyness lends to like kind of some satisfaction. But like to your point, well, like the catchiness that like Zach noticed, like I don't think my stuff comes out like as catchy because you just get to the point and the meat of like what you're trying to say both playing the guitar and also like both with your words so i think you know there's something to like learn from like just sometimes just like keep it simple or 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 keep it uh concise not even necessarily simple because like simple can you know somewhat be downgraded but concise is is different because like it gets a point across and i think the way you play and when i've heard what you play it always just gets a point across and it works really well because guys i think i read somewhere that was like complex is not equal to complicated like yeah. something something of that sort of like you can write something that's intricate but not it's still really hard to write it like that like like I that that riff that you just wrote I couldn't remember that I'm gonna remember that when I go and eat dinner later like I, it's I can hum it and like that's really hard to do so that's that's really cool yeah well I'm curious at your guys approaches where like I think over the years I've just found that when I try to add complexity for the sake of like, this isn't interesting enough or this needs to be whatever, like I found I've ended up shooting myself in the foot more than actually like helping with that. And so that's kind of why I've gone back to like, I mean, I think back to my guitar, my guitar lessons in high school so much of just like writing out chord progressions with my guitar teacher, you know, one, five, six, four or whatever. Like, and so I've, I found it helpful to just deconstruct into like, okay, let's not pretend the song is more than it is. It's okay. One, four, five, or it's, you know, a four chord song, whatever. Like, I'm curious how you guys approach that. Like I kind of gone chords first and structure first, just as I've like kind of become a student of, of song structure. And I kind of try to break songs down into their different pieces. But I think that's a different, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that tends to make me forget or, or not putting a lot of emphasis on complexity. So how do you guys approach things like songwriting from that, that perspective, you know, are you writing, um, writing a lick and then writing around it or, or do you get, come up with something simple and get complicated or is it reverse or something different than that? How could less be more? My <laughs> life <laughs> well, funny is like, um, I think we all have our, our strengths and we all, you know, play lead guitar from time to time. But like, in this, in the tri, in the 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 trio of me, Prabhu and Zach, Zach is the most like lead prone guitar, and then like Prabhu is like the metal riff master, and then I'm like the more like blues hard rock like riff master, and then I just happen to be able to play some lead stuff. So even when like you say like I'm the best drummer and guitarist in your band, maybe, but really like. Uh, she was really good and then like and right here like zach is really good at like the things that i i would say i tend towards when i'm playing lead guitar um as far as like songwriting i'm actually one thing i'm curious about zach when you approach a song to like learn um because zach uh you you don't write as much you end up playing and, and gigging with bands right of actual like structure in terms of like song structure no um, the few stuff that I've like written parts for, like they always just show up with like the bass already, and they're like, yeah. "Okay, here." 
like, but do, but do you play something do, over this now? When you learn a song, do you like really try to focus the focus? Like, because if I'm learning a song, I go down and write down the structure, especially if I have to learn it quickly. I write the structure out so I know like a little bit like that pen to paper memory of like, okay, the intro's here, uh, chorus is here, verse is here. It has like three verses and it's like kind of like a maybe a ABBA structure. Uh, in hindsight, no, I don't. I kind of feel like I have like a weird brain for learning songs. Like, like talking about like strengths and like weaknesses. Like I think my strength as a guitar player is that like I can retain like a lick, like I'll learn it and then I'll just remember it. Like at least in the short term. Um, I think I used to kind of write it out, like structure it like that, but I don't really do that anymore. Um, so do you think you, you play by like by feeling it out? Like I feel like that's kind of different types of musicians where I've met I've met like I, I knew a concert violinist in high school, for instance, who like, you know, I could she if I showed her a chord progression, she couldn't figure it out very easily. But if I wrote her down notes, she could sight read it like flawlessly. And I feel like you're maybe on the on the opposite side of that, where you're more just like purely feeling it out. And like, it's all just like kind of here or whatever. Is that the case? I think it's. I think I've just kind of developed an ear for chords, if that makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm kind of getting to the point where, like, someone will request a song and it'll be going through. And, like, I think it's really the six that I can hear pretty well now. Like, if the bass player is up on, like, here. And it's, like, or uh, let's say if it was Stand By Me. I'm really out of tune. Right, and then it walks down. Or, like I can hear that sixth in my head, so like I'll hear the I'll hear the walk down in my head, like if someone's going from the roof. Like I'll almost hear this, and then I'll know, okay, that's the sixth, and I'll go to the sixth. Does that make sense? I feel like that it makes, makes sense, sense in in my brain, but it might just be kind of weird and not make sense. <laughs> it sounds like the feeling it out thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. So I guess that was a really lengthy way of saying yes. <laughs> he didn't have it's a different. Parts, it's a different context. You're only really thinking about it in the context of guitar and like how you're gonna add something to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I and mostly, you know, when we're talking about most songs, we're talking about seven chords, right? So you've just kind of mastered the. You've learned the how to take one and know where the next one is, which I mean, that's all of, you know, that, that's just a different route to get to the same place in many ways. That's the same thing as, you know, if someone saw flats on a fucking sheet or whatever, like they would come to the same conclusions, but it, it's just interesting to see how those two completely different approaches result in kind of the same thing, but kind of the different thing. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, and this is kind of more of a scattered thought, but I feel like kind of like when you're learning like a guitar, lick, like just like a, you know, a blues guitar, lick or something, I feel like learning songs, you learn like structured, like the song structure licks, if that makes sense. Let me tune my guitar first. But. So what, like you learn, like I feel like you, you kind of just feel out like, oh, this song structure has maybe like a one, four, five or um, and, and I guess it depends on the mode too because like I feel like uh, I'll bring up Guns N' Roses. So Don't like, we have to bring up Guns N' Roses at some point? No, we're not going to do it. It's too <laughs> early. It's too early to bring up Guns N' Roses. Um, 
So like, Didn't you toast um, the slash, kind of. Not slash, dang it, probably. You so like, you tried to, but you. <laughs> it's on the tip of your tongue. So like in the key V, what is? So A is the four. So if you were playing like a progression, like going to the major four, but then going yeah. to minor. Like that's something I would have learned. Like like I learned that from a song. Right. Yeah, so like yeah. I don't think that if I was sitting down like I'm gonna write a song, I would have just thought of doing that. Does that make sense? No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That's so one like, of those tropes that will get me like any there are like those things that a song could do that I can be like, eh, whatever, and then they do that one thing and I'm like, I love this song. Like it, like it's like a weakness. That thing that you just did, that major that the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the major the to minor same. thing. When I the, hear that, it's like yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a there's a song I've been writing that like does that, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just gonna bring this up. Yeah, our main song it has that. Uh, there we Your go. Your main song. Uh, I wrote that song it's called Miser- <laughs> It's called Miserable. And this uh, other song that's coming out called Elderly Feelings. It's about Kanem's experience <laughs> being in our band. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. It- <laughs> That, but but the like your it's about your feelings, right? Like that chord strikes this like nostalgic or some sort of ha- it's like happy and oh wait no I'm sad and yeah it's, it's like, like wait what it's like I don't know what I feel right now and it's like that kind of thing. Sorry, that was not about songwriting. That, I mean, it is kind of, but it's like yeah. when you play. I mean, I that, took it there. I took it there. So, <laughs> but and I think that's important too. It's soloing because like I think with a lot of the. A lot of people who are good at solos, which I'm not, they like they do they bring notes back to like when certain chords hit. Like the that was something I'd been paying attention to is like when a chord changes, they'll play that note when the chord changes so that it like thematically feels like there's something going on in the solo. And I feel like that would spark, you know, having to pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes to like know. So that it's not just like, you know, dickery. But, it's a uh, dickery. Yeah. But it, I think it's just really funny that you bring up the minor minor four because <laughs> Devin used it. And it, I, I, I feel like I've used that. I can't think of the song I used it in. I've used it recently going from like a major four to a minor four. Well, I normally play in minor things. So, but I use that like same chord in like a relative minor wherever it's placed in the minor minor scale. And it just it just inches it, and it's like that that when you're looking for that that dissonance in your song to start creating, it's such a beautiful place to put it. Especially in the context of like a one four five, where you're like, "This is happy." Oh wait, is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm not sure. Wow. I think of it as the death cab chord because that I'll <laughs> follow you into the dark. I'll oh, follow yeah. you into the dark. Yeah, they like do that thing, and then it's like, oh, it's just like very indie movie. Like, I love it. Probably like what's what's your song song. songwriting process? As as Devin was asking, do you like go for structure? Do you go? I I feel like we were. Oh, go for it. No, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. It's been evolved. I I want to hear what you're saying. You said I feel we've been. uh... I feel uh, no. It's because like I was I was I I saw something. You know, I don't know if it was the episode I was editing, but I just remember. you talking about this song that you were working for? I think it was it was think it was the one in like in like D where you use the whatever oh, your actually, normal the, one. 
thing. That thing? What that yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that thing. That one? Um, yeah. And you had said that, like, it just, like, you you have, you have had this, uh, um, I don't want to say problem, but you had this thing where you kept on just, like, riff stacking the song. You're like, yeah. oh, this is a cool place for it to go. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that I've actually been using that. I was actually going to point that one out as something, so I'm glad you mentioned it, because there's, there's kind of two ways I've been approaching. So, I actually really, I recently just took a class that um, Charlie Puth, the pop artist, had put out, and that's on, on songwriting and stuff. I learned a lot from that um, because it's interesting how it's it kind of transcends genre. It's like it's it's really just about like sharpening your skills on like telling a story, which I suck at. I do mostly instrumental stuff, so it's like to me, it's more about the sounds that you use and all that kind of stuff. But um, one of the things that he does <clears throat> that I'm starting to do in a uh, it's so much easier to start with the chorus, just write out a full chorus and then piece and then just break it apart. And that's what I've done with writing beats. I write a lot of like hip hop beats and stuff too. And I always usually write all the full, what do I want the final beat that I'm going to like be like really jam into? I try to write that first rather than figure out how I'm going to layer everything, go all out and then take away because it's usually easier. Um, so I've been doing that with the courses too, but one of the tips you had in that class was um, make the top line melody super easy or the top line catchphrase or whatever. Like a lot of his songs, he'll start, he doesn't write his choruses down. It's always lyrics that something from a conversation he's had, like, why'd you have to do that? Or like, you don't believe me or something like that. Anyone could be like, yeah, I've said that before. I, you know, I would, but then the verses he'll start writing down. So it's kind of starting with the most simple thing. And then, but he said like, do the, do the fun, really nerdy stuff in the back so that you have fun while playing it so that you're not bored. You're not just writing simple music, but the top line melody, let the listener go and jam out to that. And then you're out here doing these chords and stuff like <laughs> behind, uh, underneath that. Um, and that really changed my perspective. And that actually is kind of changed even with my metal stuff. So that riff that was that from the other thing that like... <laughs> Ah, I haven't played guitar in a while. Or something like that. Some fast, crazy, whatever. But I, I was trying to think, how do I go from there? Because I was just stacking riffs. And one of the things I actually found that helps me write better or like now come up with song structure for the metal stuff is don't treat it like a metal song. Write it like a... Write it like a... Uh, Write it like a pop song. It yeah, so so I actually started just doing it finger picked, like or like, and like, and then just so really simplify it, and that's kind of the main structure of it. So then when I go to a chord, and when I so like to me when I build if I build to a chorus, I want to keep that same theme of that weird. Then I can add the the. Becoming a system of a down song, and, and well, and the, the thing with system of down that's so good is that Darren Malakian is he's a riff genius, but he's a songwriter, and that's something that like I didn't pick up from being a super system of down fan. That I picked up the like, I just picked up the like 300 BPM, like the <laughs> like how to like jerk off your guitar, but like I didn't really pick up the like the <laughs> the more intricate stuff, and um. 
I feel like that now, like if you see Chop Suey, the chords, it's actually, you know, those four chords, you know, the four chords, like the, it's like a, like there's like a comedy thing, or I think it's like by Axis. Yeah, the one, five, six, four. Yeah, yeah the four it's chord like, song. Uh, yeah, 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 the yeah. four chords, like the, the, like, uh, or, uh, sing every song uh, that's ever been written to yeah. that one yeah. and that yeah. and that's the major but if you make it minor it goes and if you if you take chop suey the the why have you forsaken it's the same exact like chord structure as that thing and i was like that's why it's really catchy like a pop thing and i'm trying to cut back so like the technical intricate thing that you're talking about trying to work on that but i think it starts with like reframing like how what i'm doing with the riff or song and try to like get the theme like why am i doing that crazy thing rather than just like it is very easy to be like because i want to show off that i can play guitar (laughs) but it's like no, no no put that aside like that's not why you're writing this riff. I like that approach because it's like when you're writing like an intro or a verse to a song, it's like you should be building up to something. And oftentimes that something is the most dramatic and, and maybe not the best part in the song, but the most probably the most appealing. And so like when you're writing a verse, you're like setting up to something that you don't really know yet, you know. And But when you have that chorus already figured out, then every building block of the verse is like, okay, well, I know the chorus is going to come in here, so let's start at like a dot, or, you know, let's make sure to end on a dominant note so we can come back to the tonic one, or, you know, something like that. Uh, Or vice versa. I can't remember. It's been a long time for music theory, but... I I, um, I have no clue what a tonic is. Like, I, that to me, that's a drink. I don't know what that is in music. Like, I don't know what it... There's like the tonic and dominant note of each of each uh, of each scale, and I think typically the dominant one is just the root, and the tonic one I think is the Ton- five. Tonic or, is okay, one. Okay, help me. Dominant help me. is five. So there we go. I got. I got music music lessons, so right? tonic, Yeah, <laughs> music lesson in thirty seconds. Canem, go. Music. All right, all right. So we're gonna be in A major, right? A is your is your root, your, your tonic. I forget what. Uh, no, uh, two. Your your um. B is your uh, median. Yeah, because so root, median, third. I forget what the fuck that is. I think that's the actual median. Oh, man, I'm just butchering this. Anyways, let's go for the major one. You have one, two, three. One is your tonic. Four is your uh, um, fucking subdominant. Five is your dominant. Um, I can think of them in terms of function. Like if I break down like the scale, like run one is your tonic, two you'd use that like as a passing to either to like the four, or you could even use it as a passing to the five. So, um, four you normally use that as like a leading up to the five, and then like something like the seven has a very similar function to your dominant. Yeah, because I think the seven is a subdominant. I it, normally like a lot of times if you're in a minor scale, like if I go to A minor, I'll do that a lot. Like if you're going from G uh, G major to A minor, it's like uh, using a similar dominant function that's found in a lot of like minor music. And that's and so, your 30 seconds of butchered music theory. No, that was so helpful. And like, for instance, like the, the riff that we learned at the beginning, like the... So it goes up to the four, then ends on the five. 
uh, which is like that's the the sorry that's the dominant no that's the tonic dominant. note no that, five oh, god damn dominant. it that's the dominant <laughs> note which means that it like wants to go back to the one you know as you hit the five yeah. you're like okay it's ready to come back down or whatever yeah. Yeah. I mean and this kind of gets at some interesting stuff like I mean this is kind of like very related to what we've been talking about of just I feel like. I started off very much as like a by ear musician and like I, I did learn some music theory. I started with like piano lessons or whatever, but I really learned guitar by ear. And I kind of reached this point in high school where I was just like bored or, or like, like I, I had trouble writing or I I hit some walls and I talked to my guitar teacher about it. And he was like, well, the, the way to get around that is to understand what you're doing already. And so that's, what's been really helpful to me is to just like, you know, find a framework for like what is happening in the song. And then I can find out, okay, what am I doing and what works with that? And it kind of like helps give you like a toolbox. And that, that's kind of like really informed my whole songwriting career has just been like, like the study of songs and, and what makes them tick and stuff. And like things like those tonic and dominant notes is like, you'll find those in every pop song ever written, you know, the four chord song, like very much based around those things. And I've just always found like, though, I think I'm like very by ear first and like, I'm not a music theory expert. Like I found that the, just understanding the basics of chord structure and stuff like that are very helpful. And just like knowing what's available to you or, or you know, understanding what you're doing. And, and by that, understanding what you're not doing and what you could be doing, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, that makes, I, I feel like when you talk about music theory, like I started uh, getting to music theory in college after probably like playing guitar for like uh, six years or something like that. And um, to your point about like the rut is like, if you don't understand kind of how things are put together in other contexts, you can get into that rut. I mean, I feel like I have a very, the very classic of like, uh, um, I think from the music I listened to, right. I could have like a, a verse based in like the tonic, right. That always starts on the tonic. And then I just go to the same tonic, uh, to start producing my like chorus. Which on like on the face of it isn't like bad, but like you you can like add like a passage in between. And that passage where I start to go off the the six uh, of that minor scale, it adds like a depth that breaks up, you know, the tonic bass and then another tonic bass. Yeah, that sounds that's... like the Pretender by Foo Fighters, by the way. You know Thank song? you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, I say I'm not like the other. Oh, Foo Fighters played in New York recently, which I didn't see, but I think it's cool that they played. Sorry, Devin, I cut you off. Um, oh. You're going to no, say something that's not about the Foo Fighters. Oh, I mean, I was just going to ask Zach as coming from like the, uh, you know, coming from more the the feel it out side of things. Like, you know, when you're when you're in a rut or like when you're looking for variations, like how how does that go normally just because I feel like I've kind of trained my mind to go away from that but I kind of like miss the I don't know I, I feel like sometimes by understanding too much you can all almost get stuck in this opposite rut which is like okay well now I'm just putting everything into boxes and I can't think outside those boxes so I'm curious what you think about that Zach and like how your approach differs um I mean it's different because I don't write a lot of music but I think I always find that when I'm like when I'm like playing my guitar and I'm like 
just not into it. You know what I mean? Like I'm playing my guitar because I know I should be playing my guitar. I find that I often become inspired again once I learn a new like lick or a new song. I feel like that's the only way for me to be like, okay, now we're cooking with gas. Like I try to learn something new every day. I don't always do that, but I try to incorporate that even if it's just like 30 seconds to like, you know, learn some new like, you know, like, oh, I didn't have sound on, but that's okay. Some like noodley chicken picking blues lick or whatever. Like there's always just something new. Like a couple weeks ago, I was working on some <laughs> Eric Clapton song and uh, there was like this lick that was like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> Okay, I got to remember the lick first. So the lick was. So it does like that bend tap. And like for whatever the reason, at that point in time, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever learned. I was like, oh, like excited about guitar again. I haven't touched it since like two weeks ago. But I don't know. For me, there's just something about learning something new, I guess, that always kind of re-inspires me and pushes me past like those boxes so to speak what you're just not you're not just playing this all the time you're the best guitarist I, mean, I in the world. do i still play that all the, the best time. guitars in the world but like suddenly play suddenly this. playing guitar doesn't feel like a chore anymore because i'm like yeah i spent 30 minutes doing something that i've never done before so it feels cool I don't know. there are other types of scales besides type one pentatonic uh no, there are no none. Nothing That's that works. Not. Okay, cool. Just <laughs> not to sure. me. <laughs> not to me. I also believe no. all music after 1979 is trash. <laughs> I don't know. Who invited Brad in this conversation? <laughs> That's like a playing <laughs> style and preference thing. I feel like for me, there's no other intuitive style for me. Does that make sense? Maybe. That, no, that I'm also sense. just obsessed with slash. Let's we'll just get to it. So, all right. So that's my real problem. Thanks, Devin, for being on. We're going to talk about Slash. No. Let's talk about Slash. <laughs> what are your opinions on Slash, Devin? Oh, as, no, no, as, don't answer oh, that. This oh, is not some Slash, weird, I don't want this to be some pyramid scheme where we front that we're actually a <laughs> podcast and then you come here and it's really just like. Join us. Yeah. Join yeah. us. Slash or Buckethead. <laughs> slash or, yeah, Devin, Slash or Buckethead. Make your choice. <laughs> that seems like a relatively easy choice. <laughs> Thank Uh-oh. you. What's your answer? Right, row. Uh, well, I mean, it's based on not a plethora of knowledge, but I mean, Slash is the OG, right? Like, okay, you good. Kind of value. We're, we're, right. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good here. We're good here. Sorry. So let's continue. Uh, well, actually, uh, Zach, when you said like you you learn new things, um, when you kind of talked about like how you uh, that kind of gets you out of a rut, but also before when you're talking about like uh, I think it was the E chord to like the six chord that like kind of you. Oh, no, yeah. it was it was the E chord to the like five that goes. I mean, the four that goes minor, right? I, yeah, yeah, both. Oh, both. Okay. Um, what like what's something that like you've picked up in like music, Devin? That like you've like been like, oh, th- this is my idea now. <laughs> like in your songwriting, that you've like taken. Like, oh no, 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 that that's cool that you play it in this song, but it's gonna be in my song now. 
That's that's a great question. I, I think I have completely accidentally and not intentionally at all co-opted that exact thing we were talking about, which is the minor, the the, the major to minor four. I like I, I like earmarked it subconsciously and just put it in everywhere. And now looking back through my songs, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's everywhere. God, that's my all that I do. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, part of the benefit and maybe part of the downfall of just like becoming like like every song. When I listen to a song, I'll subconsciously just start to deconstruct it or like just start to understand the chord progression. Just just because I've you know I'm interested in in what what and I want to learn from each structure and what they're doing. But what do you what do you I think start to realize with that is that even as complicated as the song sounds. <laughs> Most of the time, it's pretty fucking simple, and there's yeah. really not that many variations on the chord progressions that are popular. Um, you know, obviously, I listen to a lot of you know indie and and pop and pop punk stuff, so there's definitely like genre considerations there. But you know, I, there's a lot of just like going from your you know minor third down to your major third and switching back between those things. I've been making electronic music recently. So much of that is just major third to minor third, minor third to minor third over and over or sorry, major root to minor third. Um and yeah. so I don't know, like 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 I I feel like I've you know co-opted the one four five, the four chord song, um, you know, your uh zero three four whatever like the, the, you know it, i've i mean part of what i've kind of just learned is just that like even as complicated as songs get oftentimes they can be deconstructed into these parts that at the end of the day are super super simple so i think in many ways i'm just the student of simple chord progressions and trying to make them sound sound interesting in different ways so you you're you're a singer also and guitar player was did you play guitar first or sing first it's a good question. Um, he was born with a mic in his hand and six or, or, springs or on Or rather his. than even sing, let's say, writing your own lyrics and songs. That's a good question. I think I've always sang as by default because I liked writing songs and because no one else would sing my songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so it's like I would, you know, I, yourself, I think I... Right? Like a... right, exactly. So I feel like, you know, like like I wouldn't introduce myself to someone and say that I'm like a singer. Like like that just like doesn't, it doesn't even mesh in my head or whatever. I think I've just sang as a conduit for songwriting. Like I started off with piano lessons, which I despised growing up just because we had to play classical music and stuff, which I, right now that sounds sick. I'd love to do that. But, you know, as a, 10 year old or whatever wasn't super into it um and then just started to i started to play drums from there i played drums in my first band and that way just got like a really solid rhythmic background and a solid theory background that kind of helped me like get into guitar bass you know the other instruments and stuff um but really like one of the other aspects that and you know and probably and i were talking about this before we got on the phone here but like like production has been a huge part of my musical upbringing and that, that's something i wanted to talk to you with you guys about is just like I've also found that rather than having every song, Finally, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready for it. Not just guitarists on this show. <laughs> ready to get nerdy here, but um, we don't like, have like to talk I about found... plugins. We can talk about pedal, or we don't have to talk about pedals. We can talk about plugins now. Fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so like I feel like production also provides you this route where. And I started producing when I was like 12 or 13. I like, you know, got some DAW online uh, like a, from a friend or something like that and just started pressing buttons and learning to write songs digitally. And that also helps you really figure out song structure. And 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 like, I think that has really been a huge part of, of my background is like, 
it, it never had to be about how good you were at guitar, which was like kind of a cool thing and nice thing because I've never been, I, I spread myself too thin and like tried to songwrite and play guitar and play bass and do all these things. I never got quite very good at any of them, quite frankly, but through the whole process. I, 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 Don't I, downplay I, yourself. Like, 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 you know, I, obviously I play guitar and sing in a band. I, I, okay. I don't like, I know, I know what I'm doing, but like, but you, you know, it, it's never been where like I was, um, you know, just really pre- really focusing on one of those things. And I think production helped, uh, add that other element to beyond like chord progression. Like what are the building blocks of a song? And, and, you know, like even things like, you know, like in the, the EQ spectrum from 200 Hertz all the way up to 20,000 Hertz, like the human range or whatever, you know, where should the hi-hats be? Or like, you know, like where, where should your guitar be? Oh, interesting. In this band, their guitars are lower five. They have like low pass filters on them basically. And they have the lyrics and the, the tin of the drums taking up the higher end. And, you know, like, like there's that whole other piece to music. That's often an afterthought that, uh, you know, j- like just through the, science. the n- <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like it's a totally different thing. And just through the the nature of like by, you know, I'm kind of recording a bunch of music by myself in my basement growing up or whatever, or like me and one friend or something, you know, recording things like we were just forced to confront and address that as we were writing, you know, as you're using uh, a digital audio workstation as you're like as your canvas per se, um, then you, you know, you start to think about these things more in the songwriting process. And you were kind of talking earlier about like, um, about, you know, starting with the chorus or whatever, like I found it somewhat helpful to start recording something first, <laughs> because then you hear, you notice all these things that you wouldn't otherwise. And, and, you know, the, the literal like audio spectrum construction of the song, which is a huge part of it, um, it becomes more forefront and can kind of unlock some interesting doors from a songwriting perspective. So that's kind of been another uh, interesting angle that's kind of informed um, informed the way I learned about music. Definitely, I feel like even a doll like Garage Band could be can be used so heavily as like a like a voice recorder on steroids, like from like now, <clears throat> a lot of times I'll record a melody in my phone on my from my voice or something. Or I used to like, I'd have a guitar, but then I'd just have my phone near me and I'd play something. I have like random stuff in there. But then now, if I'm sitting by a computer, it's like just open a project and start recording. Don't worry if you're on time. Just record the ideas on there and then just make a little label in there saying what it is and then just save it. And that way, like you said, you can flesh out the structure. And I think, Kanem, you were talking about like the verse, chorus, intro, like tabbing it or not tab, you know what I mean? Just like <clears throat> mapping it all out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I start with tabbing all my riffs. <laughs> I <laughs> the, tab everything. Uh, um, <laughs> the uh, Make sure everything is quantized <laughs> and yeah, tabbed. I start with Guitar Pro and then... Um, but yeah, I feel like that, it's like, it's, it's really enabled like... I don't know, people to at least get like just a, even a demo. You can get together in like a couple hours if you really just <clears throat> put your like mind to it and it's not like a you know super like there's a lot of instrumentation like just with a guitar and vocal you could get almost a real full song done too and it's like I feel like that too it's like for me I've I've started saving templates of my work like if I get a song down right once save that project as a template and then just open the same song up the same time remove the things and then that way it's easier to get straight to the creative part and 
and hear what the final thing is as you're writing it versus like why are you trying to use cheat codes and use templates man just always basically every time i complete a song i throw my macbook out a window and buy a new one yeah exactly <laughs> never it's yes. just I never used the same laptop for one song. Never used the same laptop. I get a new technology. Guitar, new yeah. Amp. It's like new age Ingve Malmstein. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, it's it's like cool to hear it or like as real time of like the final song as possible. Like, and I think that helps with like if, because if you just sit there and write a guitar riff. And then I don't know if you've ever run into this where you write a riff or you ha- or you have it in your like you hum a melody. And by the time you get to record it, you record it and you're like, this sounds like ass. And then you're like, I don't know where to take this song or like I just this is this was way better in my head than <laughs> than I thought it was like that happens to me like 99 percent of the time. And I feel like it can at least I can get the idea out right away before it goes through like a period of time that like from when I started to when I have the idea it's not like it's it's still in the moment of like when something's magical and you're like I have this new thing I I, I feel that I mean like I feel like there is I'm trying to work on my process just for writing and I think there's so much lost space in not I'll, I'll I'll switch it up like this. Not being iterative with your process. Like I feel like so much of the time I've worked on like the song that I'm working on. I'm like, okay, this guitar isn't good. This guitar isn't good, or this vocal isn't good. And I just keep on going at like that same like aspect of the song. And instead of giving myself a break and say, okay, that guitar not great, good enough. Let me go to record the bass because I need that recorded at some point, you know, and. Just by going through the process, you are start if you especially if you iterate through each thing until you get everything to like a, a level that you're happy with, right? In my process, when I start doing that, it's like, oh, okay, like I start to hear how the song like fully sounds more, even down to things that like probably in the past you said like you mix while you go. I've started to slowly mix while I go because that helps me get an idea into Devin's point about like the sound space of like where do I want the the guitar just from an EQ level to sound? Where do I want the bass to sound? Where do I want like the it's not always useful though. <laughs> it's it, it's easy to get lost in the thing, but that's cool that you're like you you've like found to do more and that's helped you and like I'm trying to like let go of some of that because I think the answer is somewhere in the middle where because mixing can mixing adds to the creative element too of like there's like creative like things that like adding a reverb to something at that it can be just as much of a creative thing as it is a mixing thing like a guitar yeah. tone without delay or something can be totally different and I feel like those kind of things like are important to do but then like getting into that like analyzing like every little thing it's it can be very like well you know me i'm i'm more of a butcher when it comes to my music like i'm just trying to get those big hunks of meat out of the way that's smart though surgeon. that's smart and that's what i mean no i mean it's, it's smart to a certain degree but then when you get to the final product it's not a, it, i i have i have a pretty decent turd but it's not as polished as yours <laughs> 
I think stylistically, it makes a total difference, like what kind of music you're playing. Like probably I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense if you're doing a lot of metal where like it has to be so fucking meticulous where, you know, every note has to be right on line with the double bass drum or with whatever else. That's like That's the precision really matters. Yeah, Canem <laughs> gives me a lot of stuff crap because I'll record <laughs> things at 60 BPM and I'll go. Pause. And <laughs> I, it's, it's, you gotta do it. You know? I'm just saying like. I think it's just a different school of thought where it's like, I like the feeling of like, if I want it to feelings. feel real. Yeah. <laughs> what are feelings? Exactly. <laughs> Why feel when you could just play more? <laughs> well, there is totally like you, you, I mean, on the flip side of that, you kind of, I think feel like lose some of the emotion or some of the, like, you know, for instance, like our, like, like our band is a little bit more, I think, especially in the earlier record, like on like the lo-fi side of things, or, or you know, we, we sound a little bit more like indie garage sort of deal. And I found the more that I polish, sometimes the worse, the, 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 the least true it sounds to the origin where I'm like, okay, well now this sounds like a record produced in a nice studio. And it's like, well, that's not really the style, you know, we're going for more like of a, you know, garage pop punk indie thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, like, like the precision in a way is a stylistic choice in itself. And sometimes choosing that works with the music, which production works with the format. But then sometimes I've had to like manually humanize or, or purposefully leave in tracks that are, I know are off time and are shitty and, you know, like leaving in imperfections, like, I would do this with my friend in high school a lot when we were like nerding out about production. We'd listen to professional songs and like find mistakes and you'd find different kinds of mistakes and different frequencies and mistakes in different types of songs. And we would even listen to like, I remember we were listening to like an Adele song and there was like an Adele song once we're like, she's off on this note. And we're like, we'd like listen to it over and over again. We're like playing piano notes, and like trying to figure out what she's <laughs> doing, whatever. And we're like, she's fucking off on this. It's like, well, yeah, she has like this like bluesy style where you don't, you know, you don't always want to be pitch perfect. This is not Kesha or whatever. And you know, like the imperfections are just as much of an important part of music. And that's, you know, production is like, I feel like the medium where those really stand out, um, which is just yet another variable you have to fucking deal with <laughs> in all this stuff. So do you hey. record? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Ken. No, I, I had a, I had a quick question with like that imperfection thing with recording and also with playing. So have you guys ever run into that situation where, I mean, obviously I've run into it because my timing can be off. Have you run into a situation where you you have two guitars playing and then if you solo one of those guitars, it sounds like garbage at certain points. But then when you put them together, it's like, oh no, like it has this whole like interconnection and weave that works together. Have you guys yeah. ever like experienced that? Yeah, definitely. And like oh, yeah. the, I'll, I'll do it where <clears throat> I'll do a take. And then I'll like I'll be double tracking guitars. I'll do a take. First one was pretty good, and the second one was like really good. And I accidentally did something I didn't mean to, but it was really good. And I'm like, all right, fuck the first one. And then I keep <laughs> that one as my first one. And then I double take it again, but try to learn that thing. And then it's yeah. like you, you can. And also, thank God we don't live. We live in the time of like digital recording. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to learn recording if it was like on tape machines and stuff like that. Like, screw that. That sounds like so much work. Like, I like that I can. You save have to come work. prepared and practice. Have like an exacto knife, like cutting yeah, shit up like, and whatever. Like, fuck that. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> like, you were talking about ozone, and I was thinking about like sometimes I'm like, man, why do like people like why do people like still have this huge mysticism around like mastering engineers and whatever. I'm like, yeah, because back in the day, mastering was like, you're going to like an alchemist who like has, to, or, or you're going to like, you're going to like a wizard who has to like 
This like, man lives on the highest peak of the highest I've tower. I've had these <laughs> many tracks before. He's got a fucking knife and he's like chopping up stuff and he's doing all the yeah or like and, and just whereas, a man with one eye and one leg. That's like yes, give me our song. I shall yeah, make you millions. Yeah, and like whereas like now I'm like. I pull up a plugin that auto auto limits like EQ. It has like AI just listening to the song, and I'm like, "You're good." Like, wake me up when when you're done mastering the song, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, I love that. I I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to be the other like on the other way. And I feel like it's helped with like for being a. It helps you be a creative and focus on the creative part versus the like. I don't know, just getting your idea out there is not as much of a hassle anymore. So you you said um, you started pretty young with production. Do you, um, is that what you, like, do you, do you record all your stuff at home? Do you, how do you usually go about, like, your recording process and that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, yeah, I've self-produced everything I've ever put out. Um, so, uh, I mean, like, like I said, like it's just become the format for writing for me. So when I'm done with a song, I have a, I have a song. <laughs> you don't mm -hmm. have to go into the recording phase, which is nice about it for the most part anyway. Um, but, uh, sorry, sorry. What, what was your actual question? <laughs> oh, I guess like, uh, I just want to know kind of, yeah, that recording process. Like, do you usually see, do, record like the, like, I was going to ask like about um, like, do you do demos at home, then usually take it into a studio? Because I know one thing that's different, too, is like recording with like full bands and like doing with like live drums and that kind of stuff. I was curious kind of how you go about um, how you go about like structuring songs from the production yeah, standpoint yeah. And, and playing in bands. Do you usually like bring that to a band and then they do the other parts that you do most instruments and then you have a band play live? Um, Good question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it, it, kind of like going back to what we were just saying about like, like it can provide some challenges in that, like I, I typically write and record on uh, like on the digital audio workstation. So I will record an idea and kind of build the building blocks there. As I've been playing more in a band, I've like kind of combined it a little bit more with the approach of like, all right, guys, let's feel this out of practice and see what the deal is. And that's kind of added some nice humanization elements to things. And um, it has been challenging though, where it's it's that line, where you toe that line. For instance, on our first record, I had, um, you know, we recorded drums separately. I had a buddy in Colorado uh, do the drums for us and stuff. And I actually, I learned the lesson that it was just so, so challenging to record guitar and bass and then record drums. And basically what I ended up doing is chopping up the drums into a tiny, a zillion tiny little pieces and lining them up manually with the guitars and stuff. And what I realized is like, well, <laughs> so that was like made a stupid. Sampler, like, I didn't know you did that. That's, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. You it like was... made your own drum plug in for. <laughs> yeah. Probably. And I just always go back like, yeah, we're just we're using software drums on this one right yeah yeah <laughs> well it was like I, I mean like it wasn't that the drummer made mistakes or anything it was just that like those tiny little feeling things like what i've learned now is and what we did on this these most recent records were unfortunately it was during covid so we had to contract out drums again while canem was uh isolated I mean, in brooklyn i don't have a, i don't have a drum kit i i don't i don't feel offended at all I told you that, hey, if you want drums, I'll program them. <laughs> fair, fair. I'm not that good of a drummer. You're, you're, well, you're also in New York, right? I'm also in New York, yeah. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, what we did the second time around is recorded a rough demo, 
got the drummer to drum over that, then rebuilt the entire song around the drums because drums just have to be on like the, you know, they have to be like leading the song just slightly. And it's actually really, really hard to recreate those little human mistakes and errors that, that you don't realize that's the lifeblood of the song. And, and, you, and when it's too on or when you try to cut it up and make it too on, it just sounds weird and unnatural. And so I've, I feel like I've been taught through this project the, the, the limits of production, I think, um, and just how, you know, live music has these these things, these almost imperceivable humanities about it that we don't really get until you're in that phase. I mean, I will say, like, I produced a bunch of records. And I used to make electronic music and I actually have a, a whole other project that I that I had over the years. Um but I've recorded everything with a cheap ass condenser mic in my bedroom <laughs> and everything else has been like I borrowed some drum mics from someone or like paid for two hours at a studio or whatever. And I mean, that's just been the wonderful thing about growing up nowadays is just like, you know, you don't have to pay some wizard to master your record. You know, you can just go in. And I kind of <laughs> just alchemist in the mountains. <laughs> Like we just looked at some YouTube tutorials and like, oh, they're just putting a compressor on it. Okay, that seems easier than than paying someone two thousand dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I was gonna say about compressors. Like, probably was like a plug-in nerd and everything. Oh yeah. And, and, and I'm not there. I'm not. I don't think I. I don't know if I'll ever get there because I mean I have all these pedals and and I have I, I I'm still supporting like archaic tube amps and everything. You're the hardware guy <laughs> and, for sure. We gotta have a software guy. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I, I texted probably so proud because like I went and used like a multi-band compressor because like in a song I was working on, like the P's just come on popping too much. And I just like completely reduced that pop of the P's of the compressor. I was like, probably I did your shit, man. I did your shit. And you don't have to commit to it. Like I, you can just like, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the, like the one thing that is so nice with using plugins versus like miking things or with like, uh, like committing tracks is like I, I'm now actually just trying to commit the tracks so I don't look back. I just keep going. But like with plugins, you can just be like, I think this guitar sound sounds all right, but I'll cut back to it. Like I'll just you because know, I use software amps. I use software. I'll use cab impulse responses. I'll use uh, I, like all the stuff is I can do it post. So I just record a good DI take and then it's like worry about the miking and the the amps Gross. and stuff later. And then Gross. like. I mean, to, I've been doing. Play I've been, it. <laughs> you have to play it from the heart. You have to, you have to mic the room. You gotta. I thought you like Jimmy Page, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then play but, it from I mean, the heart a hundred more times when you fucked up the first exactly. take. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing about Jimmy Page, if Jimmy Page was now, he'd be all on that because he was so. You have to think about his time. He was way ahead of that time when yeah, reversing yeah. stuff using like violin bows and stuff. Like he was. Yeah. You. I feel like the. Uh, it, there's just so much more. You feel you feel like the Jimmy Page of our time. I hear you. From yeah, I know. I, I I am Jimmy Page. The uh, <laughs> the yeah, I I definitely feel like um too when you were talking about um oh, I was asking if also with understanding with like being in New York and stuff like that. That's one of the things of like I feel like being in a city too. Like I felt this when I was in college, but it's so hard I feel like to find places to play drums where like so for like my band I live in Texas like people have houses and like there's you know space and mm-hmm. it, it's like my band practice I'm very lucky because we practice at my bassist house and he has a drum kit he we, we use electronic kit but we can we can use a real kit if we want and then like 
we can have all our stuff there. But like, so from a recording standpoint, I feel like, you know, even then it's like, just like now you have so much less space that you need to like really worry about with being able to run all your guitars into a direct in and like really the only thing is anything with a mic and even the mic like your vocals you could record at home um have you ever have you like worked in studios or like is that um yeah i i interned at a studio in in college i actually majored in like audio production for a semester or two um and my my output from that experience, I worked at a gray studio and they were super cool and like gave me a lot of opportunities and stuff. But my, my output at the end of it was like, dog, I'm doing a lot of the same shit at home. And mm-hmm. I have a, a Sony Vio <laughs> and a AT2020 <laughs> and it yeah. sounds not the all AT2020. that different to be honest with you. A lot of it are, you know, soft synthesizers and like, you know, drum samples and like, 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 I mean, to your point that the space thing and the drums thing is the constant challenge. I think I've gone towards electronic music just because I didn't have that capacity or didn't have a drummer. And, right. you know, K, you know, and Kanem, Kanem, I practice in a, a place called the uh, the Sweatshop in Brooklyn. It's like a place with a bunch of um, it's called, <laughs> maybe not a great name. Very stressful. <laughs> it was a, but it, it, it's like it's just a place. I with, hope it you know, rises again. <laughs> me too. Yeah, it's just a place with like you know thirty practice rooms, full kits, Marshall stacks, and stuff like that, and they just rent it out by the hour. So we were talking about uh, being in Brooklyn, being in in New York, playing music, and and Devin, like just from your perspective, what have been some of like the Plus is the minuses when it comes to like recording and performing and, and doing all the aspects of music in the city. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like, I feel like in many ways I moved to Brooklyn to be close to music and just to be where it's all happening and stuff. I mean, like the positives, it's just like the most insane show calendars in my life. I've spent, you know, half my fucking paycheck on shows all the time. And especially now that things are coming back, like, I mean, you know, truly no better place to be. It's been such a you know, I've seen everyone I've ever wanted to see here. It's been awesome. I I used to live in Chicago and Chicago, like, you know, being in the middle of the country, a lot of bands would skip it. And so there'd be these huge national tours be like, fuck yeah, we're going to see Radiohead, whatever. Like they're going to Austin, but not to fucking Chicago. Okay. You know, no offense, but, um, (laughs) but you know, a lot of stuff like that. And so just being in New York where it's, you know, where everyone has a tour date has, has been awesome from that perspective. I think on the opposite end of that, I mean, I think I've never been a great music networker, but it's, I think there's no, there are a few modern tools that help musicians connect with each other. And, you know, like Kanem, you and I met on what, like Craigslist or Facebook, I think, or something. It's really hard to find other musicians still. <laughs> and there's like, there's apps out there uh, that I've tried. There's, you know, but like, honestly, I think the most successful channels I found have been Craigslist and Facebook. Like what Craigslist has mentioned, what? 150 years ago i don't know <laughs> like it's just so goddamn haven't updated old. since <laughs> haven't updated since and like it just seems shocking to me that i, I don't know I, I found it really challenging to like you know like like craigslist or facebook is where you have to go you know you can go to like jams you know kanem and i used to do um and kanem used to even host I, open found, mics and stuff and yeah we used to go to those and like those would always be a good um you know good place to to meet and hang out and play out I wouldn't say that the that the success rate was very high on like, hey, here's someone else who likes the same bands that I do who's interested in performing or or even, you know, not that we're that, you know, crazy talented or anything, but, you know, just just anyone at your at your at your tenure of how long you've been playing, you know, it's like I'll find someone who likes the same bands as me do, but they're still 
recording into a computer microphone and kind of just learn to play guitar. It's like, well, cool, you know, good and well, but like, you know, we're not going to collaborate very effectively at that point. Um, so I don't know, New York, I mean, the, the great irony of New York is just that you're around a trillion people and everyone feels fucking lonely or whatever. <laughs> so like, maybe that's just another expression of that. But, but I found it to be challenging. I mean, I, you know, at the same time, I've met awesome people like you, Kanem and like Shu, our, our guitarist, I met him on a fucking Facebook group or whatever, like it was like a New York musician Facebook group or something. So, you know, I mean, I guess the, the basics work, but um, still it's kind of like dating, you know, it's a lot of trial and error. And just the other day, Kanem and I were in the studio and the the third guy just didn't fucking show up and you know so we're like all right i guess we're playing the old songs like we had a great time regardless but you know is I, it I think more it painful is, when uh, that happens in dating or when it happens in your band <laughs> well i mean I, Devin was there so it wasn't that painful it's like all right we're just gonna be playing this is fun right, right. it sucks when you're if it's like only like you and one other person and the other person doesn't show up but i'll, I'll say given that it's it's been covid like uh, and we've mostly been in lockdown when I was in a practice room for like maybe like 10, 15 minutes before this last drummer I played with showed up. It was just I just had a ball. Like I just had two huge amps. I I did a stereo out for my pedals and I was just I was living the life. So even if that person didn't show up, it was just like an awesome, I get to you know, play. I would have had an awesome, loud, like two hours. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Playing just playing playing loud and playing in a practice room in general it's just like and we were when we were what was switching off guitar and drums we were like holy shit yeah. remember how fun music is like i totally forgot <laughs> sweet now now that it's between with, that oh, go go for it no no go ahead go ahead i was i was gonna ask um now that things are opening up with covid um do you feel that it's hard with like a lot of for like a year a lot of musicians who've been pent up inside who haven't been able to play do you feel like there's been a surge or rush of everyone wanting to get out there into the scene and book a show and like it being kind of congested or um because i've i've been feeling that with like not even in terms of music but just that like fomo more so than before because like a year of no fomo and then now it's like oh my god people are hanging out again and and like it's like i feel like especially from music thing there's so, like my ticket master email that i get i'm like this, there's so many shows I want to go to. And like, I feel like everyone's just booking, booking. Have you found that hard for your, um, your band in terms of like, just getting back into everything after a year of kind of being away from it? That's a good question. I, I, I would imagine that's the case. The, <laughs> our band was in such an interesting place where we, we started up, I don't know, like it, I don't know, nine months before COVID, six months before COVID maybe. And our first show was literally the day of lockdown. Literally, <laughs> the, the day of. We, we were like, like I remember the day before, like being like, I don't know, man, wow. this seems like some Ebola bullshit, like whatever. It's probably going to pass over and not be a big deal. And then the next day just being like, oh my fucking God, <laughs> this is a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like we've been... Um, derailed by that a little bit and you know we haven't quite gotten the practice rooms you know i just started getting back in with with kane in the last few weeks our uh, our guitarist shu has been back in in india visiting his folks and stuff so uh, it's been a, a little bit tough to, to make it work I'd, I'd love to start playing again i actually just got some emails from some promoters like announcing their uh you know their fall lineup and stuff so i think there will be a, a big rush of people getting out there um but we we haven't quite crossed that bridge yet so it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see what happens 
happens, that's for sure. I mean, I know shows thus far have been like everything sells out instantaneously and even bands that weren't that big are selling three nights at Brooklyn Steel, which is our big venue here and, you know, uh, stuff like that. So I can imagine it's going to be pretty, pretty nuts. I'm pretty sure like the Bowery had like a huge line out in front of it too. like the past couple like weekends for anyone that was playing there. I've seen the, the TikToks of like just every bar in New York City, a line around the corner and whatnot. It just kind of sounds kind of sounds right. <laughs> Do you guys have any uh, any material that you can announce that like are you're working on or you're putting out or? Yeah, outside so of live have... performances and stuff. Yeah, so we have, um, uh, we're still kind of figuring out dates and stuff, but we're in the final stages of finishing recording uh, an EP. Um, so we have two singles that are going to be coming out over the next few months here. Um, and then uh, I think a full kind of maybe four to five song record to follow. So got a bunch of new pop punk jams um, and hopefully we'll be playing some shows off the back of it, but still figuring that out. We're, we're talking to like album artists and stuff like that right now. So it's in the works, but we haven't quite set a release date. Um, you know, we're on, on social at union underscore fool if you want to stay connected and stuff like that. Um, but new music coming out. Kanan knows all the songs and uh, is, is, is just as excited about them. So Is that one you were playing earlier, Kanan, part of that? The... The one with that major to minor chord that that uh, you were playing, those like that Zach. I, I wrote it completely. Uh, I just it just it, Devin so happened to like actually write that same song. Oh, I thought you wrote. <laughs> oh, the truth comes no. out now. <laughs> I, I honestly, I just, connection. <laughs> I I purely just drum and uh, for for Union Fool Live. Maybe I'll record, but I don't have a drum kit, so I'm like I don't put that pressure on Devin to be like. We gotta, we gotta get me on on the recording. I was like, you get me where you need me, <laughs> you know. How do you, you need me on the recording. Yeah, how do you practice drums if you don't like? Do you just go to the practice room to practice, or do you just remember? Like, I, if I if I just played for an hour and then came back three weeks later, I wouldn't remember how to play. So, really, it's pad work. Um, so like I'll, I have like a dedicated drum pad to like just do basics and I'm not a good I, I, I can drum I would not say I'm a, a drummer um, so pad work and then honestly like I will take a chair sit at the edge of my bed and normally there's like I can throw like one pillow here one pillow there I'm like okay there's a crash there's the snare and like maybe another crash or a tom tom and it's me just tapping my foot on the ground annoying my neighbors below probably <laughs> and just like that's how i practice most of the time it's like and you're bu- it gets bu- me busking at least on the side of the it. busking on the street like one of those street performers in new york with like the buckets and the <laughs> basically <laughs> while we were texting about this before the call like sounds like time for an electronic kit here i know they're looked down upon but pretty fucking convenient for new york city <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean i feel like electronic kits i feel like if you're not primarily a drummer it's like yeah why wouldn't i get an electronic kit it's quieter like i to me i'm like yeah that i don't want i can't have a drum kit but like i feel like if from what i've heard of certain like some drummer friends and stuff they're like no i don't want to like like why would i play that if if it's like takes away some of the joy i guess yeah, when I was playing in a band in, in high school, my friend's parents like begged me to get a, 
<laughs> an electric set and me being like a, an asshole 16 year old was like fuck no it ruins everything or whatever but like so i remember i remember some purism about it but it is a hell of a lot more convenient and you can put headphones on which you really can't beat in a big city and you can quantize that's all i care about you can quantize. <laughs> you're just in it for the midi i yeah. see what the deal is yeah God. man i'm all in it for the midi no shame i'm all, i will i will write just the basic thing and then just fill it in with the 30 second note dr- kick drum i play metal i'm not gonna do that with my feet i'm not even in shape to do that so fair like, point fair point <laughs> i feel like metal drums you have to be like a like you have to be able to run at least a five mile minimum. Like I feel like those people, their like legs are just like all leg like, day every day, all leg day every day, and they keep it on time. I've heard that the bands just will like just type it in and just just Hell do the yeah. kick afterwards because yeah, because it's so you have to be exact and it drives the whole song. And it's like okay, how how are you supposed to play sixteenth notes for three minutes and do it perfectly? I, I don't well, I, I don't understand. Drum that. triggers too. Like you just you just load it and then just. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 and just the machine gun. <laughs> this is why we love production over here. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, production. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to hop on and nerd out about like production stuff because I had a whole thing ready of like, are we gonna get into like, like should I like cast my screen and talk about plug or how nerdy are we gonna get here? I'm glad we I didn't mean, get I would there. Lo- I, I, a I, little I would love to do this to, uh, like with every guest. We always have to do multiple because. Probably I mean, will wet himself. Over yeah, I mean, I was well. I was gonna say for I know for our outro <laughs> we usually play like a guitar riff or something. But if you have like a snippet of a song that you want to share, it should be pretty easy to just share that. And if you want to talk a little bit about it, we could. Yes, I can definitely do that too. All right, let me start over here. Here we go. clip of the the upcoming like single it. here <laughs> thank you reminds um, me of like green early green day or something like oh i can see it yeah everyone who hears that the songs are like damn this brings me back i'm like perfect that's exactly <laughs> what we were trying to do fuck yeah <laughs> new life <laughs> gotta bring exactly. my back van's shoes out and like yes like you know the moccasin ones the ones yeah. that didn't have to have ties on them yeah exactly the ones with the little checkers like fuck yeah this yeah, summer at warp tour <laughs> I love it. Start, start kick flipping again, man. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! That's back when every band had a skateboard as well. Being a band wasn't enough. You also had to be a skater. You had to. You had to risk your lives and limbs. I can't you had to risk you breaking your arm so you didn't couldn't play at the gig. <laughs> I never learned how. I could never. I'm not that coordinated. I've tried. 
Me too. I'm like, you want me to play guitar and do other things? I can't do all these things. Let me get good at one of them or something, you know. I I, I got my kickflip manual down back in the day. I don't know if I can still do it, but I'll I'll give it a shot. I'm going to take you off on that one. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for showing us the the snippet of some new music. I'm excited to hear the final thing. Of course. Yeah. Unreleased action, getting real emo on the new record. Um, not sure when it's coming out, <laughs> but it will be within the next month or so. So uh, stay tuned in at Union Fool. Well, thank you, Devin, for being on. Thank you for everyone listening to Tonal Distancing. Until next time, keep playing guitar and uh, keep enjoying music. Thanks so much for having me, guys. So much fun. <laughs>